time for another classic Thor Pitkist. Can't say podcast in a Kiwi accent. You could, of course, argue I couldn't say anything in a Kiwi accent, but podcast, just can't do it. Just can't. Pit, pitkist. Pitkist. Time for another classic Thor Pudcast. <laughs> That's not how people speak. You're going speak. into like Mr. Burns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Podcast>. Excellent. <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the third and I promise you final <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder spoiler special. This one is the much ballyhooed, much promised listener question special. Very exciting indeed. Uh, coming a couple of months after our last spoiler special for Thor Love and Thunder, and with an almost entirely new crew responding to the fact that Thor Love and Thunder is now available. On Disney Plus. How exciting. Not exciting for fans of physical media or the idea that you can actually own something in your hands, but that's is coming out on DVD and Blu-ray in a few weeks' time. I am reliably informed. Anyway, to go through your questions which you've sent in to me over the last couple of months or so, like I say, I've assembled a mostly new crew, an incredible team, the greatest team ever assembled, some might say. Helen O'Hara and Amon Warman have been banished from the land for bringing a little bit too much thunder to the podcast. <laughs> Not so much of the love, a lot of the thunder last time. So Gore the Pod Butcher has, has hat at them with the Necro Sword or Necro Microphone and replaced them. Replaced. You could be replaced. And they have been replaced by Dan Jolin. Hello, my friend. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Like me, Dan, you are one of the sole defenders of Thor the dark world so thank you welcome <laughs> I, I, I am I will stand there alone alone on the hill as they come for me we will stand alone together yes, we will together be alone or together alone like the title of one of Crowded House's in fact Crowded House's best album Crowded House where are they from New Zealand Neil Finn how does he say podcast probably like this Pidkist <laughs> also the name of the Charlie XCX documentary that came out no she's way. not from New Zealand but Charlie XCX is quite fun to say in a Kiwi accent. Charlie, Charlie XCX. 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 But a bit of fish and chips. Fish and chips. <laughs> Neil Finn, uh, his second album was called Nil Fun because that's sometimes how his name is said in, in New Zealand. And it's kind of accurate as to how you feel when you listen to him. Fuck you. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to get Amon in to replace you. You could be replaced, Jolin, just remember that. Come in here with your crowded house dissing. You'll find that this is no longer a crowded studio. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway. In this crowded house, we respect crowded house. <laughs> yeah. Do dream it's over. <sighs> Misread the room. Yes, you did. <laughs> now take your weather with you and fuck off. <laughs> hey, wherever he goes, Thor does bring the weather with him. Yeah. That's true. That is true. It's always thunder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dearie me. We're also joined by Sophie Butcher. Hello, Sophie. Hello. No Sof. relation to Gore the God. I was going to say, Soph the Pod Butcher. So I did that already. I know, but that's what made me think of it. <laughs> now, I thought he should have saved that mean, for my what, introduction because mean? I am Sophie Butcher. That's what made you think of it. I said it, so therefore, <laughs> yeah. it's not like, oh, yeah. that abstract concept, I'm going to take that and build upon it. I just said it. I just thought it was a waste of oh, opportunity that that should have been my intro. So I was trying to claim it for myself. Fucking hell. Millennials. <laughs> All right, have it your way. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest Thor Love and Thunder spoiler special. I am joined to go through your listener questions by a fantastic team, the greatest team ever assembled for another classic Thor Pitkist. And uh, Dan Jolins here. Hello, Dan. Uh, hello. Sophie, the Pod Butcher, 
Butcher is here. See, I said butcher twice. Yeah. Doesn't work. Yeah, All right, I'll take it. Here. Anyway, I'll take and it. Uh, joining me, the constant, the thread running through these podcasts because, like me, he's in the tank for this one. <laughs> 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 no, like me, we we're, we're admirers of this film. Is Ben Travis? Hello. Does I, that make me your Jane or your Korg? Or I think you're more co- you're more my Korg. I'll happily be your Korg. You could be my Corgi. Oh, mm. oh, too very soon. Sad. Very sad. Too soon. Too you, could, soon. you could strap his face on to... Um, no, anyway. no, no, already no. Okay. Instant uh-huh. no. <laughs> Strap on, face, yeah. nope. No, I'm fine. it's not good. It's not good. Anyway, welcome all. Welcome. How are we all? Well. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, good. Good. Have we revisited Thor Love and Thunder since it popped up on Disney Plus? Yesterday. Just last night. Okay. And, you know, have we changed our opinions of it or are we... Where are we? Sophie, oh, last oh. time we did the immediate reaction pod. We did, and um, I, I you think... were you were quite high on it, but yeah. then so were Helen and Amon, and then they backtracked like the craven cowards they are. <laughs> yeah, I was I was quite up on it when we did our sort of post screening oh, pod. There's a butt coming here, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, no, I have cooled on it slightly, but that's kind of been the way with a lot of um, recent MCU stuff. Like when oh. we came out with Spider Man No Way Home, I was like on cloud nine, and then by the time I got off the tube, I was like mm. cloud so, five, maybe. Cloud yeah, maybe probably a bit lower than that. So um, that's kind of been the case with this one, but I did watch it last night again to revisit it, and yeah, it's it's like it's more of a three star for me. Ben Ben T here gave it a four. Oh my but word! It's, it's, and how did we talk down from a five? I, he did. He did have to be talked down. Physically so, wrestled to the ground and stopped um, at five. It's not top tier MCU for me. It's in the middle somewhere. I can't. It, I don't think it'll be one that I'll revisit a lot. But I had an okay time. All right. Okay. Ah, honestly, it's like four seasons in one day in this place, isn't it, Dan? Uh, Dan, where do you stand on uh, Thor: Love and Thunder? Uh, in exactly the same place as I did when I first saw it, actually. Which, which is, which is, I it gives me good feelings, and I have good feelings towards it. Um, obviously, it's no Ragnarok. Um, I would probably put it on a par with the first one, and obviously better than the second one, which I actually don't hate as much as other people hate. The Dark World. I like the Dark World. Yeah. I think it's got loads of fun stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, it's got some not fun stuff in it as well. But I think that's a. I think Thor has always been a fun character who has a very particular space he occupies in the MCU. Yeah. And by space, I mean space with a rainbow road running yeah. through it. Viking space. Viking space. Yeah. He, he can like tread the line between sci-fi and fantasy and superhero and across all these four films. They kind of yeah veer between those different avenues, which to me feels like a nice little pocket. I'm just a big MCU. fan of cosmic weirdness. Any mm. anything anything that just kind of like you know messes with the laws of physics and and does it in a nice, colourful, silly way. I mean, I love Flash Gordon, for example. You do, don't you? Yeah, as yeah. well as Taika Waititi. Yeah, I'm a big Flash Gordon fan. I like all those kind of weird, crazy, odd sci-fi films that splurged out of the 1980s like often in 3D, like Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, for example. Ice Pirates, I thought that was a hoot. Wow. You're yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that kind of stuff. So I think... I think Kroll, you're a big fan of Kroll? Kroll, I love Kroll. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's got, it's got uh, Br- Bernard Breslau in one of his two roles in, in, a, in a fantasy film playing a giant... Did you say his first name? Bernard. I think you said Burner. I thought it was like Burner Breslau, like you use a once. No, no, no. It's it's just the way I talk. I kind of like you know uh, words just kind of like blur into each other. They just kind of okay. I'm glad I invited you on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Great diction, Dan. Or as you might say, action. 
Yep. That's why they call me Dixon Dan. They call me Dixon Dan. That's what they call me. And Jolin. Was it Dixon Dan? I can't remember. Oh my God. Uh, anyway, enough swallowing the D. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about other things. Now, we, should we get on to some questions? Because that's what you're mm-hmm. here for, right? So we're going to get into listener questions. Give us the cues. We're here for another 90 minutes, can yeah. you believe it, folks? Because... What? Uh, uh, yes, I'm afraid so, Dan. Uh, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Sophie, barricade the door. <laughs> Shit. I'm not sure I signed up for it either. But <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. But we can't do it. We can't promise the folks a listener question special, then do a tight 25. We've got to do a tight three and a half. <laughs> we'll do it quick, though. We'll do speed, speed question answering. Oh, well, you're just dropping so, letters here willy-nilly. Yeah, exactly. So we might as well. Exactly. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to take these in the order in which they were sent to me. People slid into my DMs and they have slid into my DMs further this morning uh, in response to a, uh, a question. But these are the ones that I've written down over the last few. So after the film came out, people were sent slightly by DMs and sending questions. We're going to take those first and we're going to take the ones that were sent in today. So this one comes from at J.H. Phillips. J.H. Phillips on Twitter. Just finished listening to your post-match Thor pod. Really enjoyed it. Loved getting everyone's instant reactions. It's more of a comment than a question, but that's okay. How long have you known about Brett or was he a complete surprise? So... This is a a question in reference to Brett Goldstein, who turns up at the end of the first post-credits, first post-credits thing, isn't it? Yeah. I have revisited the film recently. Yeah. Uh, As Hercules, son of Seussus, to give him his full name, he's got two (laughs) names, and he is, uh, and he was a complete surprise, Mm. I think, to pretty much everybody except Brett Goldstein. Uh, I must confess, uh, so Brett and I have known each other for some time. And I did slide into his DMs within minutes of having seen the film first. And I think I, I, I said something like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the MCU. But also, how long have you been sitting in that one? And he uh, and I was apparently, I don't know whether this is betraying a confidence, but I was apparently the first person to have sent him a message about it. Wow. He said that he had been uh, on uh, tenterhooks for a long time. I'm not going to say any more because that's a confidential uh, DM exchange. But uh, But yeah. He had uh, he had obviously been sworn to secrecy and couldn't tell anybody, so mm. he was he was quite relieved. Right. When uh, he didn't even tell his own out. mum and dad. I, I see. Uh, I, I read. That I read correct, that, that. Yeah, yeah. He told them to go and see the film. Said you'd see the film, but uh, but didn't couldn't tell them why he was urging them to see it. Mm-hmm. Hope he told um, them to hang around. Imagine if they watched it and then left. Like, <laughs> why did he tell us to come see this? He's not even in it. <laughs> did he voice one of the ghosts? Yeah. <laughs> was that him? It wasn't anywhere near as good as Thor Ragnarok. I thought. <laughs> Bit flabby in the middle. Ah, well, <laughs> I must I must tell Brett off later on for recommending that movie to me. Yes. But but Brett wasn't flabby in the middle. I mean, my gosh. No, he's not flabby God in the no. middle. Is he? No, no, no. Yeah. He worked out. Apparently, he he like worked out like crazy because he only knew he was doing it two two weeks before they filmed it. So he had to work out like crazy. Oh fuck, you know more than yeah. I do. So I mean, okay, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure he was in bad shape beforehand. No, he's no, but he is playing a retired footballer. Yeah, so they do. You know, they, they they can let themselves go a little bit, those retired footballers. But Roy Kent is still, he's a, he's a hunk of hunk of burning love. Mm. Mm. Are you saying he went from zero to hero just like that? Because that feels apt for Hercules. <laughs> Although technically it should be Heracles, because if Zeus is Zeus oh, and not Jupiter, <laughs> then Hercules okay. should be Heracles. Why? Is that just well, because a Greek Zeus thing? Is, yeah, Zeus is the Greek name of, hmm. of, of the king of the, or whatever, the king of the gods. In Roman it's Jupiter. And, and and in Roman it's Hercules, 
but in Greek it's Heracles. Oh, so they're crossing their streams. Yeah, so they've kind of gone, gone the, from the wrong side. Yeah, so. My belief in the MCU has been shattered, I tell you. This shattered. This is the thing that has finally <laughs> taken me out of the MCU. The whole thing is built on sand. Feige, you charlatan. Yep. Shut it all down. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it goes back. They, they, they made the mistake in the comic books, so, you know. But, uh, but yeah, either we should be calling Zeus Jupiter or Hercules Heracles. Wait, is it, is it the same in the film, in the animated film? No, I think that's also Zeus and Jupiter and and, and Zeus and Hercules. Hercules. I think so they cross those wrong. streams. Well, it's all of Hollywood has this problem. Mm. But he is Hercules in the comic books, so mm. I don't think we really talked about this last time on on either of the last two sporter specials. But there is a little bit in my Taika Waititi interview in the last one, if you haven't gone back and listened to that, where he talks about how it came to be that Brett Goldstein, famous of course for being Roy Kent on Ted Lasso. Uh, ended up playing Hercules with, I guess, the promise that he will be back. And if he is going to be back, he's going to be making trouble for for Thor. So that's that's very exciting. But uh, Hercules in the comic books is a little bit like Thor in that he talks he talks funny, doesn't he? He talks a bit Shakespearean. Mm. And uh, he's super strong, but not super, super strong. But uh, he has been a character of, I would say, intermittent popularity over the years. Yeah, I don't remember him much, to be honest with you. I don't, don't really, I mean, there was a bit of, there's been Thor versus Hercules stuff in the past, hasn't there? But yeah, mm. yeah, I, I don't have any uh, big memories of him. A member of the Avengers, but then again, who isn't? Yeah. You wait long enough, you will become a member. Either you'll become a member of Crowded House or a member of the Avengers uh, if you just wait around long enough. That's revolving door policy in both, you see. Can I Can I have the Avengers, please? No, Dan, I'm going to give you Crowded House. <laughs> How much Crowded House the do Avengers. you know, Hmm? How much Crowded House have you listened to? It's that one annoying song and you then... Judge me, you uh, judgmental little man. That one annoying song and I just couldn't be bothered with what, anything What annoying else. song is that, Dan? That one about the weather. <laughs> that one about the weather? Yeah. It's not even, it's not even symptomatic of their output. Hmm. It'd be like judging R.E.M. and shiny happy people. That's a great I bet song. you do that as well. I love you? that. No, yeah. no, 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 R.E.M. are cool. They're cool with me. What's the one where he's pushing the elephant up the stairs? Oh, my God. That's the great beyond. Sorry, is that is that Hercules? <laughs> I, yes, I believe you could just do it with one hand. <laughs> That's what's going to happen yeah. in Thor five. Yeah, Hercules pushing an elephant up the stairs. Uh, all right, okay. Next question <laughs> at Carlton King: Is the head blue guy at the beginning of Thor doing a Christopher Walken impression? I didn't get that at all. He's doing a funny little voice and a funny little walk and he cracks me up every time. His reactions to things and you can tell the kind of pleasant, placid exterior he's putting on versus the burning <laughs> rage he's feeling inside at Thor having destroyed their entire temple um, is so funny. I think it's a really great performance, but I never once got Christopher Walken from that. I have every single time. Really? Every single time. I literally watched really? this last night and I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> really? There are a couple of moments where he's delivering lines and it's just like, is he deliberately doing Chris Walken? Because his, his, he's not doing a New York accent. But he's the rhythm and the way he delivers it and the emphasis <laughs> of certain words. Uh, I think the, the 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 line that the guy has, Carlton King has singled out here is, I'm still sad about the temple. You know, he does something a little bit like that. <laughs> See, I think there's the pausing. There's the weird like syntax where he's saying a couple of words and then he's kind of doing a thing. But I feel like Christopher Walken, it's all in the back of the throat. You kind of swallow the words as you say them. That's as close as I Great can get. work. <laughs> but it's got that kind of sound to it, and I don't get that from this guy. He's too, like, clipped and kiwi for that. But I, I, I see it a little bit more. i about this. 
this is all coming to mind right now. Um, yeah, I can say it in the pausing, but not in the way that his voice sounds. He's an Aussie comedian, isn't he? The guy who plays is it King? Was he King Yahan? Is it? Am I getting it right? Uh, yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's, so he's Yakan. Yakan. That's it. Yakan. I can't read my own notes. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Stephen Curry. So I don't know his work, but has he ever been known for impersonating Christopher Walken? I, I don't Is know. There a... I, I don't know, Dan. This may be a rabbit hole. We should not disappear mm. now. Yeah. But uh, but yes. <laughs> Stephen Curry plays King Yakan, and uh, I don't know whether he was deliberately doing <laughs> Chris Walken, but I, I get it every single time. I get it. All right. Next question comes from at Martha Persdat one on Twitter, regular question contributor. And again, it's a bit more of a comment than a question. She says, I'm getting so tired of people who keep nagging about the MCU being too quippy and not tackling serious issues. These are films about superheroes. They are flying and using giant goats to draw ships through space. Almost every single word out of Tony Stark's mouth was a quip. Oh, I'm going to quip with you there, Martha, but we move on. Uh, and on top of this, they do tell complex emotional stories. Characters have arcs. Uh, why is it so hard to see that comedy doesn't exclude serious topics? I don't think this one is too quibby. It's not like they put it out in five-minute bits on your phone that you could watch either in portrait <laughs> or in landscape mode. That would have been very quibby if they'd have done that. But this felt very cinematic and... and wow. Oh, my God. Wow. But when you we first started the jokes? sentence, I thought I was, I was like, like, "Did you just say a quibby?" And then I realised <laughs> that was on purpose. <laughs> Have you? I was like, because I was like, "Has he? Does he mispronounced a quibby?" <laughs> Yes. Yeah, like, do I interrupt him? I, I have corrected Dan in his pronunciation of Bernard Breslau, but you know. <laughs> uh, but then, when it revealed itself to us, there like, we go. Like, like all the best jokes like do, all the, like all the best content. And quibby, Were you yes. uh, working on that for a while? <laughs> Genuinely, ten not. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> About five minutes in chunks here and there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I um, love, by the way, and this is going off a beaten path, but it is. It does involve a Hemsworth. So the Liam Hemsworth. Uh, quippy content that was about a man on a run I can't remember what it's called is that like a, the greatest game the most dangerous the most dangerous yeah, game the most dangerous thing. game or something like that uh, has basically they've just taken all the bits of quippy smooshed them together in, in the quippyometer and shoved it up on Amazon Prime as a film so you can really? now, you can now see it wow. in, in full feature length I just wonder if like it just gets to crescendo every 10 minutes and then just stops <laughs> <laughs> we should do a spoiler special on it we should do that in but, 10 minute increments on a more serious note, I, something I love about this film is the balance between the Taika jokiness. I feel like for me, the hit rates on these jokes is very high. There's like only one or two that feel a bit forced for me. I think it might be funnier than Ragnarok. I prefer this film to Ragnarok, which we got onto on the last spoiler special. And I think the tone overall works better for me here, where there really is a sense of the jokiness, especially around Thor, coming from a place of he is trying to deal with feelings or not dealing with feelings that he doesn't know how to deal with. And I think that balance between the comedy and when it tips over into the drama, and as we've spoken about quite a bit, the scene on the boat where he's talking to Jane, and then they get into the serious stuff, and then they're both almost trying to claw their way back to comedy because it's too horrible to think about. For me, that line feels really apt all the way through this movie. And we all know Taika's sense of humour. I found it slightly 
funny slash baffling people maybe trying to bend over backwards to make this film make sense to be like oh it's all Korg's narration that's why it's told like this that's why it's crazy space rainbows and why it's kind of weird little kiwi humor it's like no if you want to see it that way you can but that is just trying to justify why you get a funny weird kiwi colorful crazy space movie in the mcu i don't think you need to justify it in that way I, I like the humor and the role the humor plays here. And for me, it feels less self-consciously like, Consciously. hey, we're going to do a bunch of funny jokes now than Ragnarok, which I do think feels a bit more forced at times. Again, we don't want to go too much into territory. We talked about you and I on the on the last uh, two of these, but I, I, I agree to a large extent. I still think the middle of the film is, is a bit flabby. I still think that um, Omnipotent City goes on a little bit too long. But again, for me, still the end of the movie really clicks from the from you know the emotion of the movie hits me every single time, and that you know when Jane dies, it hits me every single time. It, the the tone is absolutely nailed from that moment on the boat onwards. Hmm. And the criticism for me of this movie, I, I'm a bit like Ben, and sometimes I'm a little baffled by it. But sometimes I can see it. I I can see it. I can absolutely see it. You know, again, I have criticisms of this film. I you know I th- I think it's. You know, it's tremendous fun for a large part, but sometimes it just loses focus a little bit. Sometimes it just loses the run of itself a little bit. But some of the criticism of this film, it just seems a little over the top for me. And, you know, even somewhat personal in in a way that Taika has become a celebrity since Thor Ragnarok. And obviously, you know, he has a very high profile relationship now, uh, which seems to have rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. And I, I do wonder if there's a little bit of, you know what, that's taken down. That very, you know, it's it's kind of human nature in a way for a lot of, for, for people to react this way. If someone has built themselves up, we knock them down a little bit. It feels to me that there's been a little bit of that with this movie, which is not that dissimilar thematically or tonally or even in, in terms of the success of its comedy to Ragnarok. And yet people were falling over themselves to prize Ragnarok and they're falling over themselves to condemn this movie for doing much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was more of a novelty value for Ragnarok, right? I mean, you guys probably already spoken about this, but uh, but yeah, yeah. It's it's like that kind of like surprised everyone as a, as a big kind of change um, in terms of hey, let's just go full on comedy, really. I mean, it's so weird when you know if you think about where it was in the MCU, the, yeah. the point at which it came out, and suddenly this completely gonzo space <laughs> opera movie. You know, both these movies are pains to Flash Gordon in in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, they both have that completely mad anything goes vibe and that was something that had been apart from maybe Guardians that had been lacking in the MCU which is very grounded. Yeah. And even the two Thor movies previously yeah they got these elements of fantasy and they've got these elements of sci-fi and space opera but they're still fairly grounded and a lot of it takes place on Earth obviously. And then suddenly you had this really really weird buddy comedy in space with all kinds of, of different elements that we hadn't seen before in a very knowing meta way almost and then I don't think they've rinsed and repeated with this film but it just feels strange to me that I don't think there's a too much difference between both films hmm. there's a fast difference the way people reacted to them Sophie what's, what's your take on that? Yeah I think this this question gets to a little bit my issue with this film I'm also not a massive fan of Ragnarok I like it better than this one um, but 
And I know that the MCU has always been funny and it's not that it's comedy. I think that there's too much comedy. She-Hulk is an out-and-out comedy and I really love it and I feel really like connected to the characters but there's something about the tone of this that makes me feel not connected to the characters in the universe. I don't know what it is. There was a point at which it felt to me like I was watching Tessa Thompson, Chris Hemsworth, Taika Waititi and Natalie Portman instead of Valkyrie, Thor etc i don't even know how to explain it but i don't know how to it's not like a tangible thing that i can explain but it just feels like they're sort of putting on their kind of thought like vibe and i don't know it feels really in like it doesn't feel real to me in the way that other things do and that's why i'm struggling to connect with it it's that thing we talked about in the last one ben i think you and i guess it you know i i i I, and i'm on and helen obviously i think they found this a bit more charring than, than we do but you can you can see there's a there's a, a layer of archness. There's a layer of irony to the performance here from Hemsworth, especially in the first half of the movie. That I think is a really interesting bold stylistic choice. And again, listen, you know we know that how these these movies are made, and there's probably a version of this film in the edited suite on the on the cutting room floor where it's played straight entirely. Uh, and so I think maybe it's that, that, that he and Taika are maybe just trying to change it up and trying not to just do the straight down the middle thing. Yeah. And in doing so, they're maybe injecting that layer of tongue-in-cheekness, which is pushing the audience away a little bit. Maybe. And I res- like I respect a, a bold swing with a character, and it's not that I don't want irony or I don't want that archness. I can enjoy that, but there's just something about it here that makes it hard for me to like properly engage with the film. I think for me personally, like what happened with Thor in Endgame, what they made that character into in that film really did some quite irreversible damage for me with this character in that I really disliked his storyline in Endgame and how he was portrayed and all of that. And it felt like it turned this character into a parody for me, like in all ways and just knowing that it's Chris Hemsworth in the suit. And it's like, I just find it really hard to engage with them now. Did it not work for you towards the end, the, the, the turn on the boat then? Did that not work for you at all in terms no, of... No, because I, f- I felt like there wasn't enough drama, like there wasn't enough of that side of things for me to to grasp onto it really. Like the whole, the Jane, the closest they get to me isn't on the boat, it's um, in the hospital room with Jane um, and when they have that conversation about she if she picks up the hammer again, like that's it, like that's the closest it gets to me for working really well but that's like that feels like the one I understand the boat scene is good but it still felt a little too far away from that for me so I just I felt I needed more depth and more sincerity even though it is a very sincere film for those things to pay off for me I see your point there because really as much as the boat scene has a lot of great drama and it is still that balance of comedy and drama and as Chris has spoken about before that's kind of the tipping point for the rest of the movie where from then on all the rest of the comedy kind of goes away and the rest of it is either drama or like superhero showdown stuff and I think really after that tipping point when you have the scene in the hospital that is really the dramatic moment that is the okay all the comedy is gone now we're getting to the really serious stuff of yeah if you do this again you're gonna die but for me that really works because then when you get the end uh, and she shows up uh, Mm. in the suit with the hammer 
And you know, it's the way that it balances what should be a triumphant, hooray, Jane's here and she's going to kick some ass moment into, Mm. oh God, we know what this means. We know what this means for her. We know the choice that she's made really injects some drama into the final reel as well. I think something that we sometimes talk about with Marvel projects, especially the movies, and I think the TV shows have have done this as well, is how do you give us a finale that's properly compelling and not just like, let's punch some things? And having that underpinning of drama of Jane just being here means that unless something mad happens, she is going to die. I really like that they don't undo that with the the trip to eternity at the end that felt like oh god are we are you just going to undo all of this stuff and they don't they let it play out and that again for me is a component of why i think i prefer this to ragnarok because ragnarok keeps a lot of that archness right until the end in ways that's really funny like banner hitting the rainbow road after he launches himself out of the Classic. ship is incredible it's so funny but there isn't it keeps that kind of line of comedy and drama all the way to the end in Ragnarok with a strong vein of comedy in there. And there's something for me about this one where it's, it just it is making a point and doing some kind of serious things, actually killing off characters in a way that we kind of often say we want to see in these Marvel movies, giving us consequences, and then taking Thor to a very different place in the final minutes that I just I love so much. But I, yeah, I, I see what you mean, that there's not, a, there's not a whole chunk, there's not a massive thread all the way through the film of those dramatic moments because I think it's also trying to balance that with being a big summer space comedy. But I, I really appreciate that thread of drama in there, mm. even if it mainly comes to the fore towards the end. Are, are, are the tonal shifts, I think, I think we got a question that came in this morning about this uh, that we may get to, <laughs> given how slowly we're going already. Um, but the tonal shifts are they are they a little too jarring for some people i'm thinking for example of that first switch from thor on the planet at the beginning uh destroying the citadel their their ancient chapel being generally a buffoon after a really really cool kick-ass action sequence with biker chickens from mars <laughs> and then from there we go immediately into jane getting an mri and you know getting some chemo and suddenly you know this is real world, real real stakes. There are very few things in this life more real than a brush with cancer. No, I, I don't. I didn't have any problem at all. I didn't feel a tonal shift at all because, in fact, that's actually played really light for a scene involving someone, you know, having chemo. It's played really light. You know, it's it's Portman uh, is playing it like Jane's dealing with it well. You know, she does that little thing where she's talking about have you seen Interstellar and ruining the guy's book and not just Interstellar, everything Dan. like that. Not Event just Interstellar. Horizon. There was that other mm-hmm. film she mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, what was it? Event Horizon. Event what now? Event Horizon. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, I'm not aware of that. Law. Yeah, it's really yes. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You should tell me about it sometime, <laughs> yeah. Chris, because I, I wouldn't have heard of it if it wasn't for you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm feeling some tension here, Sophia. Are you getting that? Yeah, it's largely sexual. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but no, and, and I think this is something uh, Tyker's, uh, perhaps I should say Waititi, I don't know, it's too familiar, so, but something Tyker's done in all his films, all his films, he does that thing. He, he, does, he, he, he takes us from moments of comedy to moments of tragedy and back and forward. and 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 the and, people. And, and, and exactly, how yeah. for the world of people. Jojo Rabbit, for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, boy. You know, uh, uh, Eagle versus Shark. Are we just listing? Yeah, let's just list these films. What we do in the shadows? <laughs> well done, Ben. You yes. got the, you got the missing Hooray. you got the missing one. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, he, he's always done that, and so his films kind of like 
sort of, you know, jump on either side of that line. And, yes. and, and, and I've never had a problem with how I get from one side to the other side. All right. Well, listen, uh, I think we're about three questions in. Yeah. We've done half an hour. Uh, all right. Here's another question from at Liam C2112. Uh, I felt I love to film, but I felt maybe an extra 10 to 15 minutes were needed on the runtime. I was unclear on why they needed Seuss's bolt. Could this and other aspects have been fleshed out a little bit more? Definitely. This bit, I mean, you've mentioned before, the bit in Omnipotent City is the weakest, I think. But also, it's just like quite underexplained. I feel like the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, why are they there? Why do they even go there? Why aren't they just going to save the kids? And then I... On, on a rewatch, it's like, okay, they want to build an army. That's their motivation for going. But that, I don't know. That doesn't even seem like as congruent as everything else. If the, But then it does make sense that he's a god butcher, so you're going to the place where the gods are. You want to warn them. So, like, their motivation to go there makes sense. But then when they get there, they become focused on the Thunderbolt, but it's not really clear why, because is it even that good a weapon? Well, I don't know. It the- doesn't kill Valkyrie. It doesn't kill Zeus. It's like we need, (laughs) kind of, it it switches from when they realise that Zeus isn't like believing them. It's like, okay, the mission is now to get the Thunderbolt, which just feels like it's kind of been constructed for there to be an action sequence. And it, I don't know, it it all feels quite weak to me, that bit. They're improvising. That's what they're doing. They got there. They realise they can't get an army. What are they going to do? Well, let's let's bum rush Zeus and steal his Thunderbolt. (laughs) Yeah, let's yeah, get, get out what we can get out of here with what we can. I think they should have recruited Bao, the Dumpling God. Yes, yeah. I want to see yeah. what damage that guy can do. I did not like Bao the Dumpling God. No. I loved Bao the Dumpling no. God. What? Screw Bao the Dumpling God. Why? No, hateful, hateful little thing. But he's really? so smiley. Yeah, hateful thing. You don't like dumplings? No. What? <laughs> Explains it. Yeah. <laughs> Explains it. No, uh, I, th- I think there are moments in the. In the ben is I'm going to be tapped out for the next fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, I prefer I prefer the little head with feet. Oh, yeah, that was good. pretty cool. Yeah, that was cuter. Good. No, was, no, the dumpling god, he's full of deliciousness. Yeah. <laughs> You're full of deliciousness. I think with the uh, with the lightning bolt, there 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 was just a little, you know, we know, again, going back to the interview with Taika Waititi, thank you, thank yeah. you, Dan. That's all right. Uh, that's You're like welcome. Too over-familiar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with Mr. Taika Waititi, yes. my interview with him in the last Spoiler Special, he talks a little bit about his desire just to have a film that wasn't over two hours long. Um, <laughs> I think they shot a lot of material, as they always do these things but we know there were loads of people cut out we know that Lena Haiti was cut out we know that Peter Dinklage was cut out we know that Simon Russell Beale was largely cut out there are lots of other people who just didn't quite make the cut there was loads more with the Guardians loads of stuff Uh, I imagine there was a lot more with Jane trying to come to terms with being Thor and that that's one of the things that that doesn't quite work for me that Mm. you know we don't get a sense of who she is and her trying to find her identity as Thorn. The, the whole thing about the catchphrase just feels a little bit it all feels shoehorned in. So easy that yeah. she is a Thor. That's really jarring for me. I understand that we like we want that moment of when she's revealed as having the hammer and that big reveal when it is her. That's cool, but I really miss some sort of how is she just she picks it up and she's great and she's not like overwhelmed by it and. Mm. She has this long blonde hair and <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's it, the weird thing for me that, that yeah. she assumes his look as well. Yeah. And I know that's from the comics, but that seems strange to me because again, I said this in the last one, but I'll be more concise this time. He, Thor is who he is. It mm. is not a thing that is bestowed upon him. That is his literal name. If you picked up this phone, you wouldn't become a Chris Hewitt. I mean, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but you know, she gets his powers. She shouldn't necessarily get his look and she really shouldn't get his name 
But even if she does get his name, I would have liked a, a scene in there where they were talking about the name or, you know, hey, that's my name. Can you choose another name? How about Mighty Thor? How about Lady Thor? There wasn't really anything like that. In the bit at the end when she says it's Mighty Thor, have they even mentioned that no, at any point haven't. in the film? They haven't. Uh, this, it's yeah. the, she says it's the Mighty Thor trademark, courtesy of Marvel. Yes, <laughs> yes, fifteen. Even though that hasn't right been mentioned. <laughs> and the same thing with the, the lightning bolt. Like there, there's there's a moment where Thor suddenly uses to teleport across the galaxy to get to, uh, to get to where uh, where Gore is. And I would just like a scene where they explain. Oh, by the way, this isn't just a weapon. It can teleport you across the, the universe as well. Just mm-hmm. little things like that. It feels that. like overthinking it to me. Maybe it just, is. Just go with the vibe. Yeah, yeah that is my feeling. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? Space vibes. Vibe. Yeah. You, you could add 10 to 15 minutes of like explaining some of the extra stuff and maybe it would give you logical answers for, oh, this is how they know this. That's how they know, they know that. For me, do you need it? Mm. Absolutely not. Mm. Would it bog the movie down? Totally. I think... Just having again having a Marvel film that's under two hours and doesn't get bogged down with the things that it doesn't need to because it's space and it's magic and okay I will just I will buy that this lightning bolt can transport people across space because the big magic axe does the same thing you know I I I, I want to try and get to a place generally with some other Marvel movies maybe or just other big blockbusters where there is an element of it's magic, go with it. The thing that matters is the character stuff and the emotional stuff and what story we're telling rather than just having to get bag- bogged down in the literal way that things work because I don't, yeah. we don't always need explanations. Is, is, it, is anyone worrying about the fact that suddenly Thor can create costumes? Like, you just, like, tap his weapon and, and, and then suddenly no. he's what, got sorry? a new costume on. Mm. He's tap his weapon. Wow. Yeah. I'm not necessarily which, worried which about... keeps getting longer, anyway. <laughs> about all that plot stuff, but I think that the point Chris raises about Jane is significant because because that transformation into Thor is feels so kind of off the cuff and like she just is Thor and it's really easy. That, for me, undercuts the drama at the end where it's like about her picking up the hammer, even though I've said that is the closest it gets to me to work for me to working. It undercuts that drama because it doesn't really feel like there's like a lot at stake when she... When she uses the hammer, I know it tries to get a point that it get the point across that it affects her um, ability to fight the cancer, but because because that all seems so easy, I don't know that doesn't help me with like feeling connected to that emotional bit that the okay. transformation to Thor just seems so like flippant and I don't know maybe I'm just wishing well, for stuff that isn't there and I should just take what the film as it is. I don't sometimes know, that could be that can be something that we, we talk about in these spoiler specials that you judge the film it is rather yeah, than the yeah. film you wish it weren't had, had been. But yeah, with with uh, with Jane, the, I, I I think all the stuff up with her trying, you can see that she's really uncomfortable in her skin, especially in Unupton City where she's walking along with Thor and she's like, you know, trying out new phrases and you can just see that she's, that she's so not much. comfortable at all in, in, in her skin at that oh, moment. Oh, I really like that. Oh, I feel of, like... No, really? You, I, you think, can, like, I really like the Portman in that. The clunking of gears. The this one. I'm so sorry. That bit just really made me cringe last night. You can like hear the gears clunking as Natalie Portman like switches into like goofy comedy mode. It's like you can like Oh, I see it on her face. I, I really hate that bit. She's maybe not the most natural comedian. I don't even. I don't. She's a great actress, but it's just that bit. It felt really forced into the into the scene, and I just yeah. That All right. Bit made me well, listen, listen. Anyway, too much negativity. Too much negativity. Let's have a, a question from Declan Willie ninety four, and then a comment from at Top Sports Fan. Uh, the question is from Declan Willie: Why didn't Thanos just go for eternity? <sighs> Because he didn't know. 
because they hadn't, yeah. He already had a plan. He was focused on that. Yeah. Just before we move on, I'd like yeah. to shout out to Declan because I actually went to school with Declan. No way. Ooh. Yeah. He was in the Bologna at school. Mm. Was his surname Willie94? <laughs> Declan Williams. Did you bully him? And no. <laughs> but I know he's a long time Empire reader and we've right. chatted a bit. And, well, so, there yeah. you go. Well, shout well. out to Declan. Hi, Declan. But I mean, so, the thing is, you could say that to about anything. Like, why didn't anyone ever do yeah. that thing because they could have kind of a thing? It's just. This like, annoys me when people are like, why didn't that hero help when that happened? Yeah. You know, like in a different movie. And I'm like, oh, you just can't think about that. Well, like, <laughs> like, we like can't think movie, about it. When Thor goes, we're going to go to Omnipotent City and we're going to assemble the greatest team ever created. And it's like, mate, you're part of the greatest team ever created. <laughs> why don't we just round up whatever Avengers are left and then go off and kick Captain Marvel? You know, he probably doesn't have her numbers, so he probably um, can't get. She's very booked and busy as well. Mm-hmm. So who's available? I mean, I Doctor like, Strange would I have been like useful. This. Who's available? Who's on? Who's on Earth? An Avengery that he could have called on to to do this. Wong, Wong, Wong. But again, does he have these people's numbers? You know, mm. Wong technically not an Avenger. Doctor Strange technically not an Avenger. Captain could have found him on LinkedIn. Hawkeye. Mm. Yeah, he's retired. Yeah, he could have called Hawkeye. He could have called. I was going to say Spider Man, but doesn't hasn't the world forgotten yeah, that he's yeah. Spider Man by this point? Yeah, yeah. So he couldn't. He, well, he doesn't know. Does he know that Spider Man exists? He knows. It, he will know that Spider Man exists. But that it's not. He won't know that it's Peter Parker. That's what. But also, crucially, apart from the battleground in Endgame, he will never have fought with Spider Man. Mm. So it wouldn't be the first port of call. And so, of the OG Avengers. And then again, the second phase Avengers, I guess, really, he could have called... Banner? Banner, but where does this sit in the timeline with She-Hulk? Spoilers <laughs> for She-Hulk, Banner may no longer be on this planet. Mm. So how do you... Okay, maybe he did the right thing. Maybe he did the right thing. Maybe there was a scene where they, they went, oh, let's call the Avengers instead, and off he went. But but anyway, anyway, the question is from Declan... Uh, uh, oh, another thing about uh, Eternity. So the last podcast, someone said... Why didn't Gore just ask to have his daughter back alive and living with him and everything would be great? And I think there's a little bit about Gore just wanting to punish himself a little bit. Uh, but also, I, I can't remember this, and I know I, I said this last time, but I can't remember whether Eternity has this function in the comic books. I don't believe he does. So I think this is something that they have retconned or, or just introduced for the movies that you get to Eternity and you can make a wish. And obviously the fact that this movie comes out three years after Endgame or four years after Infinity War and probably five or six years after those movies were planned, I don't think they knew that this was Eternity's function in the MCU at that point. Mm. So there you go. Maybe uh, Eternity abides by the rules of movie Q&As where what is acceptable <laughs> is just a single wish. No, this is a two-part wish. This is more of a comment than a wish. <laughs> no, just one simple wish. You want your daughter back, but also you're dying. You've been corrupted. You can't yeah. wish for multiple things all I'll wrapped up in wishes. one wish. Yeah, you can't yeah. wish for more wishes. Yeah. Maybe it's too much to wish for half of all life in the entire universe to disappear. Maybe that counts. As, maybe that counts as billions of wishes. But <laughs> each individual does. person disappearing is a wish. <laughs> is a wish. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Thanos. Maybe Thanos did know about eternity, but Thanos knew that. But also, <laughs> yeah. But Thanos would need to get the Bifrost to get to eternity, I guess. Mm. So how could he get the Bifrost easily? Anyway, shut up. Uh, <laughs> so Declan's comment, which follows his question, um, and the next comment from Top Sport fan. I'm going to try and read him out real quick. 
Because again, we're talking about how this movie's been received and it you know didn't do as well as Thor Ragnarok at the box office. It's done 750 million worldwide. Rubbish. But mm-hmm. that is kind of these days, it's like if you don't get, you know, the expectation I think would have been billion. Pandemic or no pandemic, I think the expectation would have been for this to hit a billion and it didn't. And there was critical pushback and there was audience pushback as well. And I think those are those summed up by these two comments, which I did not think I would see about this movie. Declan says, I'd also like to comment. Uh, can I call him Declan? I'm being very sure. familiar, like Taika. I'd also like to comment, this film left me so cold. I've never been so disappointed by an MCU film in recent years. I wasn't feeling any of the feelings. I think it wanted me to by the end of the film. Oh, I can see why you went to school with him. And, and then <laughs> the next one, uh, it's a long one from Top Sport Fan, but uh, says, I'm a massive MCU fan. I watched the films at least twice at the cinema, bought all the DVDs. I uh, watched it multiple times, looked forward to the new Thor film, but I was really disappointed by it. I'm really currently rating it 29th out of 29 MCU Ooh, films. I won't be going harsh. to see it at the cinema again. Is it just me or is it the comedy really pathetic? Why is Thor so pathetic? Um, <laughs> Jane threatened to redeem the film, but nothing could redeem what must be the most disappointing MCU film to date. I'm in mourning. We all are officially. Wow. Uh, <laughs> top sport fan. I mean, uh, well, everybody's mileage varies on these movies and I think as they've done more weird and experimental things in phase four that is more the case than ever before like uh, at least three of us in this room I don't know your feelings Dan are in the Eternals fan club in a big way but that has yeah. been massively yeah. divisive that is a film that works for some people and just doesn't work for others and maybe the weird wild tonal swings of Thor Love and Thunder work for some people in a way that really gets them and, and just for other people might just be like, oh, I don't, I don't really get those feelings from it. But I don't, I don't know, 29th out of 29 <laughs> is, is quite a lot. I, I, for me, that's a bit harsh. Uh, again, first time I saw this, I, I loved the film, but there were, there were moments where I thought, I, don't, I think some people might react negatively to this particular bit. It just seems maybe a little bit self-indulgent, a little bit, hey, let's do improv now for a little bit. Uh, but if it works mm-hmm. for you, if that stuff works for you, uh, as it does for me to a large extent, then you can go with the flow. But I, you know, but I thought if people pushed back against it, it would be just a kind of oh, good fun, lots of really fun moments, not as good as Thor Ragnarok. You move on. But there's been actual vitriol aimed yeah. at this movie. Twenty ninth out of twenty nine in the MCU, and you know, you know, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of the MCU. Uh, as, as may have become apparent over the years. <laughs> really? Uh, you know, at the bottom, the bottom three for me is is Iron Man 2, um, Incredible Hulk, probably something like uh, Captain Marvel or a Multiverse of Madness or something like, no, I, I, I really like both Ant-Man movies. They're, they're both in the, in the teens for me. I don't like the first Captain America. Yeah, well, and the next two Captain America's two are favourites, but yeah, you're lucky the Helen's not here. She's mm-hmm. going through that wall to stop you. Well, but, yeah. you saved it by saying the other two are your favourites. I was going to be like, what? Well, among my favourites, I thought you were going to say, and the other yeah. two they're even worse. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a genuinely bad film in, in the bunch. But for, yeah, I don't know. For for me, this 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 is like a teen movie, as in it's you know it's in the teens. It's not a teen movie. Yeah. But for me, this is about fifteen, sixteen in my rank. I haven't really sat down to properly do it, but. 29 out of 29 indicates a really bad movie. And I don't, I don't get that. I think it's kind of what I was talking about before, that if, it, if, that, if, that, if there's something off about that tone, that, that, which is what I feel, and you don't connect with it, it can it like actively 
force it, like actively makes you feel against the film in a way that you wouldn't if you were like this is just fine. I don't know. Maybe. The, well, the, the, the Hemsworth thing there. He says Thor is pathetic. Do you think that that you know, but, Hemsworth is actively kind of undermining the character in a way by by leaning into the comedy aspects of the character? I don't know if I, I wouldn't use the word pathetic. I don't think, but I know I like I said I'm kind of disengaged from Thor really as a character from what they've done with him before but also I don't know I, it just feels like I'm watching Chris Hemsworth like goofing around rather than mm. but that, like a that... parodic version of him rather than Thor and it doesn't mean that I need him to be serious that's not what I'm saying I want him to be funny I don't know what it is it's just something's like not connecting see, see for me I really like the way he's evolved his performance over you know the well, first one comes out 2011 so 11 years now he's been playing this character by the time he rocks up in Secret Wars which he will do in 2025. He'll be playing this character for 14 years. And apart from Sam Jackson, that's pretty much a record, right? For, for someone to sustain that, you know, Downey tapped out after 11 years and Evans tapped out after nine. So he's going to be playing this character for 14, 15 years by the time he hangs up the hammer finally. And I love the way that, you know, he has subtly evolved this to become the MVP of Infinity War, where he can be this kind of, Slightly tongue-in-cheek, really comedic version, but he also has the dramatic heft, so he can pull off that scene with with Rocket, where he you know opens, he bears his soul to him. Mm. What about you, Dan? Do you? Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it actually goes back to Team Thor, which which was the um, you know, and, and Daryl, of course, making his appearance again here. But um, but yeah, with Team Thor, where we just saw Hemsworth sort of, sort of bring this. He kind of brought himself to the part mm. in a way, in in the way that kind of you're having a problem with. But I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked the way he kind of like brought himself to it, and then sort of showed the kind of the home life of Thor as this quite quite pathetic figure. You know that thing about oh he's made Thor pathetic. Well, I mean you can go back to Team Thor and look at him kind of mooping around an apartment and feeling left out that he couldn't get involved in the events of Civil War and stuff like that. I think even further than that, the first Thor film is about him not being worthy, about him being a little dickhead and having yeah, to like true. learn to what it means to try and be a hero. And even the Dark World is like him trying to keep everything together and Jane's been infected by the ether and the Dark Elves are coming and Loki's running rings around him I think he has always been a character who you could describe as pathetic you could describe as vulnerable even in Infinity War when he gets some of the most kick-ass action moments I don't think we've ever mentioned it on this podcast before but when he arrives in Wakanda (laughs) um, in Infinity War and touches down and all the lightning comes amazing big hero moment but as you say Chris he also has that scene with Rocket where he's talking about everyone that he's lost like this is a guy who is Mm sad inside yeah. and and it keeps happening in this film it doesn't let up does it mm. yeah it's just it's still happening i mean if we didn't have this light tone to these movies then they'd be the most depressing ones and it's weird. i i do love infinity war thor i want to make that clear i really like him in that movie so i i don't know i don't know what it is i'm trying to figure it out i'm not being very for articulate about my problem me, he's one of the mvps <laughs> of the mcu i i i think he's amazing as a character i think the way hemsworth plays him and the way he's evolved him so it, it you know it's it's different in every film and it will be different again because now he's you know he's a dad and so he's going to be he's going to have a different string to his emotional bow next time we see him i don't know whether that's going to be in a standalone film or whether he's going to show up in an avengers movie down the line or or something else maybe captain marvel 2 who knows where we'll see him next but I think when we see him next, it's going to be yet another iteration of the character. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you as well. I think Infinity War Thor is, is the best version of the character, you know. But there's something about the character. I think the character 
is still one of the linchpins of the MCU. Because you know, not just on a power level, but you know when he shows up in Wakanda. You know, they, they, they're, they're so successful at grounding how powerful, setting up how powerful he is. And, and, you know, so that when he does arrive in Wakanda, it's like, oh, wow, even Thanos had better watch out because this guy is pissed. And I love that. And I guess you could maybe say that perhaps, I don't think Endgame does. I know you, I know, I know you think in, in terms of other aspects of his characterization, but I think in terms of the power, I love that moment in Endgame where he, he grabs both Stormbreaker mm. and Mjolnir and he gets the... He he doesn't change his outer appearance, but he does change his hair, and he goes right. Then well, we'll better kill him this time. And that's the best know, bit. That's I love that bit. Uh, I think done right, he is one of the best characters in the MCU, one of the most powerful characters in the MCU, and one of the ones you most look forward to seeing because, you know, here's Thor to save the day. Um, I think maybe yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this movie undermines that to an extent, but we still have these incredible displays of prowess and power and. In the first, in the first act in particular, yeah, um, but I the love whole, the action scenes a lot. They're probably my favorite. Yeah, element. I love that that opening. The opening one, the so Shadow Realm, is so great. Yeah. Even when I watched that again last night, I was like, "This is great. It looks amazing." Yeah. I really like that bit. The it's action so really works for me in this. And this is this is a movie about him learning to not be the center of attention. This is the film about him learning to give away his power a little bit. Um, you know, whether it's through. You know, the, the, we still don't have a name for the character. Gore's daughter is her, her name in the credits. Um, love, I thought. No, he's just she's referred to as love, but that's, that's not her it. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, so, that is, that's a slightly clunky moment. It, which one? Oh, but when the they say uh, their names are Love and Thunder, oh. and it's like, you, you oh know, no, that no. actually worked for me. I didn't like that. Miss Cynical over here. I was like, oh no, okay, go on then. <laughs> oh, she's called Love. <laughs> I don't know if I thought she was called Love, but I was like, okay, this is where it's making sense now. Love, Finally, Love Odin's daughter. Mm. <laughs> no, sorry, Love Thor's daughter. I should say, sorry. Yeah, that's true. Gore's uh, daughter. Uh, Maybe. Mm. Keep, you know, keep him in the family name. Keep him in the family. <laughs> uh, all right, two Falkyrie questions. One from Bob Sherfield. Uh, did I hear Falkyrie say, Luke, there's the carpenter god? Yes. yes. A god of carpentry. God of carpentry, I think she says. Yeah. 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 And there was yeah. apparently, apparently there was talk of a cutaway to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> apparently there was talk but of surely that. surely the god of carpenters is Harrison Ford. Well, I would say he's quite mortal. But yeah, no, yes, yes, apparently they, they were going to go, Jesus was going to be in Omniscience City uh, for a while, mm-hmm. maybe for like two seconds, three seconds before. That would have everyone, gone down well. Everyone, yeah, at like <laughs> Disney uh, would have gone, Shut no, the pants fuck off. off. <laughs> Look, there's the mouse god. It yeah. should have been Mickey. Yeah. Uh, uh, at John Neil underscore UK says, I'm loving Valkyrie more and more with every outing. Is there a case for a standalone film or series, possibly a prequel? She's an awesome, kick-ass, fair, cool, leadership role model for my daughters. Yeah, sure. I wanted more Valkyrie from yeah. this film. If, if you could squeeze a bit more stuff into this film, we've talked about how it's under two hours and I, I like that about it. But if we were going to get, I don't know, an extra minute and 30 seconds, give me a minute and 30 seconds of Valkyrie because... 
she is a great character. I think people maybe misremember how much she's in Ragnarok. She's not actually in Ragnarok for a huge amount of screen time either, but she really popped in that movie and it makes sense to go, well, we'll bring her back for this one and do more with her. I think they bring her back and give her more or less the same amount to do, which I think people maybe remember her having more to do in, in Ragnarok. But she has a great kind of chemistry with everyone on that cast mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. i think she's really fun with jane i really like her with jane as somebody who jane confides in about what's actually going on and how she's got this power i like even though we don't see it i like the sense that they have had a good few conversations over the past couple of weeks that we haven't been privy to where they are kind of sharing what's going on with them i think it is a missed opportunity that we didn't get more Valkyrie finding her queen thing because they did kind of tease that as an idea and that is something that would have been a fun extra thread in this big MCU rom-com but she is great in this movie and she looks really cool wearing a Phantom of the Opera t-shirt so yeah she looks amazing I agree I think she's really underused I don't think like Tessa Tessa Thompson's very challenged she just she just feels like a very much supporting character. She doesn't feel like a character in her own right in this film. I would have liked to see her have a bit more to do. But maybe there wasn't room with all the Jane stuff. Yeah, I think so. But uh, I struggle to see where we'll see her again, if I'm, if I'm honest. I mean, they've announced the next few movies. Where do you think she might show up again, given that she's on Earth? Mm. I was going to say put her in the Marvels. Like partly because I just want to see Tessa Thompson with Iman Vellani and Brie Larson and uh, Tiona Paris. I think they'd all be really fun together. Um, and she is a character who can be earthbound and can be spacebound at the same time. She has a teleporting horse that can she go does. anywhere, mm. apparently. So, <laughs> so that helps. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where we'll see Thor next either. I mean, you know, the obvious money would be on the Kang Dynasty and then Secret Wars, but yeah. You know, I do wonder if they'll try and squeeze him in into another movie before then. You know, they do promise Thor will return at the mm. end of, at the end of the movie, so we shall see. Uh, all right, here's one from Mike Boy B H O Y. I'm sure a million people have asked this. No, Mike, just you, and I think one other. But the eight years chat. So Thor yeah. says to Chain, "Oh, I haven't seen you for about eight years, three months, and two days, or whatever it is." Uh, does that add up? I've lost track of where we are timeline-wise. Uh, was that a cheeky celestial picking in when they left Omnipotent City? Yes, it was. Uh, so the eight years chat is his main question. Does that add up? I think, yeah. I mean, the MCUs can, can, get, can get a bit sort of iffy with timelines, can't it? It can. Something it can. that popped up to me, I think Thor says it's been eight years and Jane says it's been five years which leaves a three-year gap, and there was a three-year blip. Five-year blip, made, wasn't it? Five-year blip. Does Jane say hmm. five years? I don't think she does, does she? She says, they say, she says, she four, says three right? or four years. He says eight years. Now, okay, if you okay, go from... That's, that's, so, so that's clearly a joke about she's trying to yeah. underplay how long it's mm. been. Yeah. And he knows exactly because he's so deeply in love with her. Yeah. But th- okay, so, so, so Thor the Dark World was 2013. So, so we got nine years of, of real time since they were, you know, the act they worked together on a Thor movie. That's right, yes. So, in a sense, his eight years 
would have been accurate to maybe the time around when they were shooting. So that that might be a little in-joke about when they last worked together I, or something. I don't know. I don't think that this is a fuck-up along the lines of Spider-Man Homecoming's yes. years later. That's what I was referring to earlier. Yeah. I, I think that this is... I think it's actually pretty much on the money. Because sort of if you take it that this is 2023... And again, we've had nothing to indicate that it's not. We're still uncertain whether Hawkeye takes place in 2023 or 2024. Maybe No Way Home takes place in 2024. We're not, we're not certain at this point. I don't think there's been another time jump in the MCU since, since Endgame, but we're, that's pretty much where we are. So that's 10 years from The Dark World because mm. by and large, unless you're told otherwise, the, the time the movie came out is roughly meant to be analogous to the, the time in the movie. So November 2013 is November 2013 in, in the MCU as well. But if we think maybe they were together for a bit after, after the Dark World and then exactly around right. Age of Ultron, which yeah, was they 2015, would have been. Yeah. maybe exactly, if yeah. that was around yeah. the split, then that because gives you eight years. there's that conversation between Thor and uh, Tony. So they're still together in... Oh my God. I, lo- I love shit like this, I know. But it, I can't still, keep track still, of this stuff. It's still I'm a like, wild yeah. thing to talk about. But So they're, they're together still in early in summer of 2015. So then after that, if things go south, because then that movie ends with Thor shooting off into space to investigate the Infinity Stones and find out more about this stuff. So maybe that, maybe they're already distant at that point and maybe that is him putting more distance between them. I got the impression from the way he was talking at that party with Tony Stark that he was trying to to kind of cover up for the fact that things weren't great between him and Jane. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, it's a bit like... It's like watching Breaking Bad after watching Better Call Saul and everything's just infused with just this extra layer of gravitas, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think think absolutely you you couldn't be more correct. So there you go, Mike boy. It all adds up. Uh, At HMB7 uh, says, Sex scenes in the MCU are now a plurality. Who did it better, Cersei and Icarus or Korg and Dwayne? I feel like I I can't answer this without... (laughs) Without just just being wrong in 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 a number of ways, I will say the sex scene in Eternals is so chaste oh, that so I actually bad. might think that the Korg and Dwayne one is yeah. a bit raunchier, even though it's literally two rock monsters holding hands. That's where they get the rocks on. It's like the one bit I think is not good about Eternals. I love Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great sex scene. It's fantastic. It drives the plot, and it's it's super sexy. Don't you guys think it's super sexy? <laughs> No, I mean, no. I passion this thrusting on things. <laughs> Looks but, very but cold. It, yeah. It's a PG thirteen as well, so there's no thrusting from the hips. It's all in the shoulders. He's, he's thrusting with his shoulders, which I, I I believe is not the way to do it. <laughs> they're Eternals. Maybe they're built differently. I mean, you know, it was it was it was surprising enough to see a sex scene in a Marvel movie, like even one as chaste as that one. <laughs> I honestly, um, I think the closest thing we come to before was was I think in Iron Man, where you kind of see Tony Stark in bed with, uh, I want to say Leslie Bibb. You do, yes, you see. I think uh, that yeah. she gets out of bed with him the next morning. You don't actually see it, but that's the aftermath. And Quill yeah. at the start of Guardians say, yeah. has uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. women rattling around in his ship. Yeah, yeah, there is that. There <laughs> yeah. is that. But you you never actually see you know the the the, the beast with two backs until the uh, Eternals. <laughs> and even then, it's really the beast with one back mm. slowly moving up and down. <laughs> that is true. That is is true. there a beast with two backs in the MCU? Probably some of the shadow monsters here. I like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like that the shadow monsters <laughs> all well, they kind of look like kids drew them, and I think kids did draw them. Didn't they get all the kids to draw their idea of what a scary monster would be, and that's what they used for the shadow monsters? Aww. I'm sure one of them has two backs in a more innocent way. <laughs> all right, but that's that's dark and disturbing, Ben. So I'm moving on very quickly. Uh, <laughs> at Funkster Cosplay, what did the pod think Jane's catchphrase was? Oh. Mm. Well, it was that lost in translation thing, wasn't it? We're not supposed yeah. to know. She probably, she probably saying, I wonder what Bill Murray says to Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was probably going, doesn't Scarlett Johansson look a lot like Natasha Romanoff? <laughs> yeah. Maybe she thinks Thor's really stupid and she's like, you have to adopt the kid. That's what's happening now. That's, that's what this whole scene's about. <laughs> true, true. I like uh-huh. Eat My Hammer. I, maybe, maybe she just pulled him in and once again said, Eat My Hammer. That'd be good. Other than bring the rainbow, whatever it was. Is that, is that what she says in the beginning? I think yeah. that's one of the mood ones. I think that stuff's fun. I like all of her stupid try-hard catchphrases. Yeah. Uh, if she had lived, she would have been sued by Skittles. And that's, <laughs> that's never good. Um, all right. I don't know what it is. I, honestly, I, I did think about asking Mr. Taika Waititi, uh, the director of Thor Love and Thunder, and then I decided not to because... Mm. A, he was just going to deflect and go, yeah. oh, it's a private conversation, we'll never tell you. It's, it's it, like it asking, should remain yeah. private. It's like asking Christopher Nolan whether it was all a dream or not. Tenet. Inception. <laughs> oh, I see. Inception. Inception. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tenet feels like a dream. One from which I can never wake. <laughs> anyway. Maybe the ultimate aim as a filmmaker is to put yourself across as being so smart that if anybody asks you what actually happens in your film and you haven't worked it out, you can just be like, well, that's up to audience interpretation. (laughs) I don't want to tell you how to react to my film. (laughs) I don't know. I never worked it out. You tell me. How does it end? Maybe she was just going... That'd be a good catchphrase. (laughs) At Beast18081. How many backs? Beast uh, with 18,081 backs. Wow. wow. Um, that's, that's like one of Zeus's orgies. <laughs> God, uh, they've talked about that so much in that yes. scene. You will not <laughs> like, be invited to the orgy. You are disinvited on the orgy. I can't hear Russell Crowe say orgy in that accent one more time. <laughs> I, I don't particularly want to go to an orgy with that, Zeus, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. I, honestly, I don't... There's a little flippy skirt. I don't know if I'd want to go to any orgy. I'd be very British about the whole thing. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to look. I wouldn't know where to put my hands. I just, I feel... I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be good in an orgy. If you're planning to invite me to an orgy, then I think give that one a, a pass. Like it is that. your birthday, Chris. It not, is who knows birthday. what's in store. <laughs> Have a birthday orgy. <laughs> It'd be like that uh, Louis Theroux documentary that he oh, did yeah. on Swingers. Yeah, that was And great. he goes to the Swingers party and then he walks beyond a curtain that they're not going to film past and then he emerges back through the curtain <laughs> and in the voiceover Passion it says, face. I didn't know what I'd just seen, but I knew it was time for me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Top 10 Louis Theroux moments. <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, anyway, uh, at the Beast with 18,081 backs asks, I feel like Natalie Portman would have had the presence or depth to be a leader in future Avengers movies, which is something I feel the current roster of heroes lack. There doesn't appear to be a natural Cap or Tony-like figure. All right. I mean, we've talked about this quite a lot through mm-hmm. this phase, haven't we, of maybe the fact that there's no Avengers speaks to the fact that there is nobody ready really to lead the Avengers in the way that Cap and Tony did. That I guess the closest thing you've got is Wong, because he's Sorcerer Supreme and he has magical fingers in many pies. 
But Doctor Strange is too kind of self-involved at the moment to be head of the Avengers, and every time I he's doing things, he's kind of messing anyway. yeah. things mm. up. It's, it's probably Captain America, isn't it? The new, new Captain Cap, America. Yeah. Captain Which Marvel? even then, uh, I mean, Captain Marvel... Although she's kind of off the grid too much. Yeah, she's got, I mean, uh, they're trying to be Earth's mightiest heroes, and she's yeah. the whole solar system, galaxy, yeah, whatever true. at the moment. So she's, she's a bit too busy... I don't know. I don't think uh, Jane Foster would be a leader of the Avengers in that sense anyway, especially because her arc in this film is that she's kind of still learning to be a Thor. She's not a great Thor, but she's doing a, a relatively decent job of keeping up. Um, so I don't think she'd be a leader here. I'm quite excited to see where they go in the next phase. Mm. And I do wonder, again, we've spoken about this, but maybe wonder. that's why Thunderbolts is next. That's why that's the next team-up movie because there is no logical Avengers lineup at the moment. And maybe what happens instead in the absence of an Avengers, they cobble together this mm. other group that is like, oh, they're not going to be the best lineup. You know, they're slightly skeezy, slightly unreliable. Yeah. Um, and then that leads you to the reaction to that being, okay, no, we need a new Avengers. We need a new lineup of Avengers. Well, what's, what's going to be interesting, of course, by the time that the Kang Dynasty swings around in 2024 and then Secret Wars swings around in 2025 is that there's going to be more than one supergroup, you would presume, knocking around. There's going to be Thunderbolts, which isn't really that super a group. There's only like, what, one or two of those characters actually have powers. Uh, you know you know what I mean, like in terms of mm. they can fire bolts of energy or they can fly fast. I know a lot of them have super soldier serums or versions thereof, you know, coursing through their veins. But there's going to be the Fantastic Four by that point as well. And there's probably going to be something like the X-Men knocking around as well in the MCU. So I'm tremendously the excited about that. A kind of being set up as like a team. A subsidiary, a, a, a spin-off, uh, an LLC, if, if you yeah. will, the Marvel's LLC. <laughs> Subgroup. Yeah, possibly. But in terms of the Avengers, I mean, we talk about this an awful lot because I'm really trying to get my head around what that team looks like. And I think it's going to be an even greater version of what happens in Infinity War, which is that this, this incredible threat shows up and there is an Avengers, but they're kind of scattered to the four winds and they're, you know, some of their most powerful heroes aren't even around they're not even on planet at that point and so Thanos hit them at exactly the right right time for him when there wasn't really a team to mobilize against him which is why then you bring in Doctor, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and all that with the Kang Dynasty I mean genuinely who's around who's you know it, it says Avengers Kang Dynasty I don't see there being an Avengers <laughs> at that point that might be part of that movie's uh, mission, if you will, is to assemble an Avengers team in a way that we haven't really seen since the first Avengers movie. Let's talk about She-Hulk being in Avengers, even though she denies being in the Avengers, but everyone's assuming she's in the Avengers. Yes. So I guess she's by default an Avenger. Yeah. I mean, she's already got a cousin in the Avengers, so she's she's you know she's, she's in. She's in. She's, in. Oh, she's, she's in. nepotism Nepple baby. baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, what but let's you know, bring so much. You know. She-Hulk, Daredevil, all the lawyers. To file a writ against Kang, please do not try and take over the world or do whatever the hell it is you, yeah, but, you're trying to do. But it, it's Loki, Loki. It's Loki, Loki an Avenger yeah, in, the next, yeah. in the next go round. You know. uh, which would be amusing, seeing as that is the Loki who directly was last seen what if in being Secret Wars, the villain of the first film. What if in, in Secret Wars Loki has to watch his brother die? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that might be a nice little wrinkle. <laughs> that, 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 there are so many exciting things in the future. Like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the new Black Panther, for example? So we don't know who the new Black Panther is, but you know, we reckon that it's going to be Shuri or uh, Nakia. But you know, I'd say it's probably going to be Shuri. But you know, is she going to become the leader of the Avengers? Is it going to be? Is it going to be Sam Wilson? Mm. Then you have an issue, don't you, in terms of? You know, Steve was a natural leader. Captain America was an icon from the World War II who naturally assumed the mantle of leadership. A large part of Sam's arc in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I presume going into the New World Order, is about, am I worthy of this? Am I ready for this mantle? You know, will the other people in this group take orders from me? Will they accept me as a leader? Whereas with Cap, there was no pushback. There was no resistance. Apart from Tony. Apart from Mm -hmm. Tony, but, you know, Team Tony. Yeah. Anyway. We got uh, 25 minutes left. That's speed round because we haven't even got to the ones from Twitter yet. Uh, at Waltham underscore bear, when Thor pulls Stormbreaker out of the ground at the beginning, it's grown roots. As it's made of Groot, the handle of Stormbreaker is made of Groot. Mm-hmm. Stormbreaker? The handle of Stormbreaker is made of Groot. Does this mean a Thor can grow another Groot? <laughs> if this means we get an army of Groots, an army of baby Groots, like the little army of ashes in Army of Darkness, all running around, all crazy little screaming Groots, mm-hmm. then yes, please. Yes, that would be amazing. I think the answer to this question just simply has to be, I am Groot. <laughs> Take from that what you will. You'd have to plant it, right? Don't they plant the twig at Guardians? That's how they grow the new Groot. They plant the twig and then you've got to play some to... Jackson 5 or something and then let it kind of vibe out and it becomes yeah. a Groot over time. But I am right in thinking that the, the Stormbreaker's hand is longer in this film than, than it was in when we previously saw it. Am I right? But is that because at the beginning, as the person says, yeah. it, he like puts it in it's, the ground, doesn't he? And then so he takes it, it out. Grown. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't done a direct length comparison. Well done. <laughs> that I'm not going to your orgy. No, I'll, I'll measure Thor's wood another time. <laughs> that gag though, when he pulls the hammer out of the ground or the axe out of the ground and then flies away on it like a broomstick, oh, yeah. it's one of my favourite things in this movie. It's so stupid. And I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "This is going to piss off all the really self-serious Marvel people." Oh and, no, that's um, funny. It's it's so funny. So funny. That is a that's very much a moment of like oh that's is this type of movie okay. <laughs> uh, all right, I am Badger. Nineteen seventy six says after two brilliant films. See, people do love it. People do love it. There are people who are in the me and Ben cap. Yeah. After two brilliant films, should Taika be kept and sorry and Dan? Thank you. And Dan, but you're not as I am here. You know, should Mister Taika Waititi be kept on for future Thor installments, or should he be given an MCU team up film at some stage? Well, do you remember there was a, a, a rumor a few weeks ago before Comic-Con that uh, Mr. Taika Waititi, if mm. you please, was going to be announced as the director of Eternals 2. And this was a, a, a rumor that got a, a lot of traction online. And I didn't quite buy it, if I'm honest with of you. all the directors in all the world, I would never pick him for an Eternals film. It I feels can... like the set, like his and Chloe Zhao's sensibilities are like totally... Very, very different. But then maybe they want someone whose sensibilities are different from Glenn no. Shaw's. I don't know. I love that film, but maybe we, we know commercially and critically it wasn't that mm. big a deal. So maybe they do want something. But, but you know, I just think it's a, obviously it's not happening, but, or maybe it isn't happening. But also I began to think about it. Oh, Eternals, if you brought, if you brought Thor with him and injected mm. him into an Eternals movie, that becomes interesting. But 
What do you think? Do you think after this he'll he'll make a third one or is that it? I would like that, but I think the most recent report really was that after the reception to Love and Thunder, he's like, I'm kind of done. And that is interesting to me because if you watch the uh, assembled episode about Thor Love and Thunder, the making of documentary that they put up on the same day that it started streaming on Disney+, Plus, him and Hemsworth are both quite open about the fact that the reason there's a fourth Thor movie is because they enjoyed doing Ragnarok together so much and thought, well, should we do another one? And Marvel wanted them to do another one. They both thought it would be fun. And that's why we have a Thor 4 when we don't have an Iron Man 4 or a Captain America 4 at the moment, although, well, we will have new a world new, order, yeah. we'll have new yeah. world order, although that feels like a new thing rather than mm. necessarily like Captain America 4. But so that's the reason we have this film, and it makes me wonder if Taika is done, if he's like, do you know what, I did what I wanted to do with both of those, but the tide is turning against him a bit. It's the first time he's had a kicking. It's I the think. first time he's had a, that kick back, and even you know when he did his episode of The Mandalorian, which wasn't that long ago, it was like, yay, we all love Taika, look what Taika's done with Star Wars, give him a Star Wars movie, and now it feels like people are feeling a bit wobbly around a potential Taika Star Wars movie, which, again, seems to be one of these projects that's kind of maybe happening, but maybe not happening. We haven't said, heard from that for a while. Haven't they said it's going to be the next one? Didn't they say that? Initially, yes, although recently, uh, up until last week, uh, Star Wars had staked out a date in December 2023 that initially was going to be Patty Jenkins' Rogue, Rogue Squadron, which now is completely off. I think it's still floating around, but they don't have a date for that. The next date for a Star Wars film in the calendar now is December 2025. That's so that's six years since Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. So who knows what's happening at the moment in all of those spheres, but it feels like Taika is somebody who may be in that kind of Guillermo del Toro and Edgar Wright's realm gets attached to a lot of things and TV stuff and big screen stuff and this is in development, this is in early development, he's done a deal to do this. And then you kind of just wait and see which ones actually come off because not mm -hmm. all of these projects do. And I wouldn't be surprised if after the reception to Thor Love and Thunder and just the general kind of conversation around him at the moment if he wants to do something totally different. Obviously, we, he has Next Goal Wins, mm. which he filmed before Thor Love and Thunder, mm. which is yet to come out. So that'll be a different flavor, a different kind of uh, range of Taika Waititi. That's going to be a small kind of character comedy drama. But yeah, who knows? Because it says at the end of this, Thor will return. I wonder if they thought... Love and Thunder's going to go down an absolute storm. It's like Ragnarok, but more, and people really liked Ragnarok. So let's do another Taika Thor movie. But if he doesn't want to do it, I don't... They'd have to get somebody who would maybe engage Hemsworth enough to want to play this role again in a solo film because it feels like that was the impetus mm. for him for doing this one. The idea of another Thor movie helmed by Taika does make me kind of sigh a little bit, although I'm very excited to see Brett Goldstein in a film proper. So that would be enough to engage me, I think. But also, in terms of doing a team-up movie, I don't know, that would I, would... I would hope not. I think, especially with, like, Infinity War and Endgame, because there's so many characters on the board and there's, like, even more now, those films had to be so intricately plotted and balanced and, I don't know, from what I've seen, like, in Ragnarok, but in this film especially, that 
that element is kind of like the weakest bit for me. So I would be kind of nervous if it was to be like he's doing Kang Dynasty or something. I'd be like, oh, don't yeah. know about that. I don't know. Maybe one of the reasons why people push back against this movie was because it didn't give them the movie that I think they were expecting, which was as Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that held no interest for Hemsworth and that held no interest for Mr. Taika Waititi, if you please. And so they jettisoned the Guardians at the first opportunity. But certainly the end of Endgame, you're thinking, oh, wow, I love the chemistry between these guys. Mm. I wouldn't, I'd be quite up for an entire movie of this, if, if I'm honest. Well, and we I don't mean, get that. We yeah, got loads of that. Have. We got loads of that in, in those movies, though, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like... We got loads of it. We got, we got I think we got plenty. Okay. I think also, we I think we got plenty. I, I mean, official. we got lots of of Thor and and, and Rocket, didn't we? Thor and Rocket and Groot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got yeah, we got, lo- we got lots of that. And I kind of I kind of like the fact that they jettisoned that quite quickly in this film. Almost like the Guardians have had enough of him. Like he's he's like this really like say so he's this MVP. He's this is this totally he's amazing really- person to have on your side. But actually, after a while, it's just a bit much. <laughs> it's a bit much, and you don't get any fun. It's like, we're the Guardians, we're going to go to battle, and the battle's already been won, and yeah. what is the point of yeah. what we're he's like, doing mm-hmm. here? He's like, he's like, he's like a, you know, an alpha player in, in, in a game of Dungeons and Dragons or something, where you know, everyone else sits back, and one person just goes and fights all the monsters. Is this, no one enjoys that. Is this your version of an orgy? <laughs> uh, quite the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. Uh, when last... he's like, we should all share credit equally for that. This <laughs> <laughs> was a team effort. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so here's a one from at Sarah Hetty, uh, who says, Thor and Jane's breakup timeline makes no sense as he buggered off the end of Age of Ultron, but we've talked about that. We think it does make sense. We, just, but just. she does throw a spanner in the works by saying, wasn't Jane staying at her mum's in Thor The Dark World? Yes. But in this, she died when Jane was young. She inherited the flat. That's what you're, that's what you're saying? She inherited the flat and she calls it her mum's place as because a, as a, she can't. Obviously, in the same way, I, I have never deleted my mum and dad's phone number from my phone. Indeed, indeed. Okay. Keep them alive, the memory yeah. alive. That's that's what I say. All right, that's my interpretation. Okay, uh, I will also interpret that generously. As well. <laughs> uh, she also says, "Do you think the existence of Valhalla is a way to potentially bring back characters such as Natasha and Tony?" No, no. no. I think this is just again it's we spoke about that right? in the um, in the main spoiler special that I don't think that is like ah Jane's actually okay and look ooh Heimdall's here as well I think that's just a nice little button Mm. on she died in battle she went to Valhalla that is a separate thing I don't think that's a way to bring characters back yeah because she says not bad for a human and he says not bad for a god so it's just like affirming her as a god right yeah I don't think it's meant to be like a lasting thing Hmm. yeah All right. it's interesting where do gods go to heaven Clearly, Valhalla. All mm. gods go to heaven. Yeah. It's a Don Bluth movie. <laughs> a very different version of Valhalla than the Northman, I guess. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Those two Those two should team up. That's who the, the next Taika, Mr. Taika YTD team up should be. Um, Alexander Scoresgord. Uh, that's how someone told me it was pronounced. Really? Someone really? Scoresgord. Scores Scores yeah. And they say whenever we pronounce Scars, we pronounce the Scarsgard, that we're ignoring all of the... The yeah, the accent bits, the accents and things. Yeah, they're and, just, they're just and that he just tolerates it because he's a lovely guy and he likes us bumbling around like idiots trying to pronounce his name. But <laughs> apparently, it's actually scores good, and I'm probably getting that wrong as well. But there you go. Is it? You learn Alexander. It's Alexander. Uh, no, if, if all the A's are O's, Alexander. No, no there's it, no accent. On it doesn't the have the little circle above. Oh, it. the, the little, little circles. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, speaking of scores, scores, I like seeing Stellan very briefly in this mm. as uh, as um, your bloke, mm. whose name I have completely forgotten. Uh, Eric Selvig. Yes. Thank you. Why do we know that? Hmm? <laughs> I knew that until three seconds ago. And it went out of my head. Yeah. Why is why is it? I know that, but I you know I can't remember my own children. If Dan name. collapsed right now, I <laughs> yeah. could not do CPR on Dan. I mean, I wouldn't want to, but if he did, I couldn't. At Cantonas Ghost, we're on Twitter now. We're on Twitter on my phone. At Cantonas Ghost, and we're doing speed round because uh, yeah, yeah, got, come on, we've got to be out here in fifteen minutes. Uh, at Cantonas Ghost, if you were enlisted in Thor's army, what would have been your supercharged childhood toy? Mine would be this is Cantonas Ghost, a Roland Rat Teddy, complete with laser firing plastic sunglasses and leather woolen jacket. Wow. I did have a. Um, I used to have this Tigger toy. That bounced. The wonderful thing about Tigger's, a Tigger's yeah. a wonderful thing. His top's are made of rubber, his bottom is made out of spring. His spring. eyes are made of lasers. But when you pushed him down, he went, I'm going to bounce. And then he like hopped around. Bounce, 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 bounce. That would be mine. <laughs> okay. Ben? Uh, mine would probably be, I had a hot water bottle and the case of it was Shaun the Sheep. Oh. Um, and I, yeah, I loved that. I loved Sean the Sheep. So um, he would be melting creatures with his eyeballs. <laughs> okay. I had a xenomorph. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, cute. Except there weren't called xenomorphs in those days. It was just the alien. Oh, it's mm. just political yeah. correctness gone mad, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. The alien. So, so I would have just got my alien, uh, which would have oh. looked like the monsters it was killing. I don't think I had a toy that I loved in that way. Really? Yeah. Not hmm. one toy. No, I had lots of toys. What did you play with? What did you What did you play with when you were younger than Chris? Um, I played with action figures. I had loads of Star Wars action figures and Action Force. Do you remember Action Force? Oh, yeah, hell yeah! I was a member. Yeah. You were, well, you're a member. I joined. Now, I joined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Said Force. Yes, I sent off for that. Yeah, and it never came through. You never got. They, probably, you did, they didn't accept you. They probably excluded. <laughs> they probably excluded Northern Ireland. They were probably like, "You guys are armed enough. We don't, <laughs> we don't need. You don't need our help." Which force did you want to join? <laughs> Um, the, the underwater one Q-Force yes I don't know anything about you wanted to be in Q-Force no one wanted this to be in Q-Force I loved I, I, unbelievable when we went on holiday I used to fill the sink and then put all the little scuba men in, in the sink <laughs> amazing so probably those it would be an Action Force toy or a Star Wars action figure or my Secret Wars toys uh, but that might be they were cool eating his own tail a little bit uh, anyway uh, Paul Miller asks do you think Thor will return as an Avenger Yes. yes. Good. <laughs> uh, Done. <laughs> uh, yep. Ian T. James. Has anyone else noticed that at the end, Thor and Love, not technically called Love, uh, <laughs> appear to be living in the Winnebago from Spaceballs? Oh. Well, I, that could be a good observation. I'd have to check. I do like the it, sound of pan flaps, though. Yes. <laughs> pan flaps all round. Once we get out of this podcast booth, we're having pan flaps. Um, uh, oh, here's one. Okay, so Brewy underscore Chris, a regular question contributor to the podcast, uh, and in fact, one time appearer, appearancer, on the, <laughs> a one time appearer. How would you say that? She was on a podcast we did with guest. listeners. No, not guest. I don't think contributor. You're, you're, not, you're not a guest. Contributor. You're not a co-host either. You're like in between. You're scum. Co- That's it. You're co- scum, Dan. <laughs> you guys aren't scum. Just Dan. Oh, cool. All right. Brewy underscore Chris <laughs> was on the podcast once. Anyway, she's asked the question, <laughs> did the montage of Thor and Jane's relationship do the heavy lifting 
that the previous outings didn't manage. I don't think, this is Brewery underscore Chris, I don't think Hemsworth and Portman have great chemistry. But this, sorry, it's uh, Chris and Natalie to you. To you. Uh, but this went a long way to make me care and understand their relationship that was mostly off screen for me. I think it felt like, to me, just a fun Taika Waititi rom-com sequence. It felt like it was tapping back into early Taika Waititi. It felt like it was more of a piece with something you'd see in Eagle vs. Shark or Hunt for the Wilder People. It had that kind of tone, which is also something I liked about this film, that it felt Taika to me in a way that combined his kind of early sensibilities with where he's gone in recent years with the more blockbustery stuff. Um, so that was a sequence that that felt kind of almost like off-kilter indie romantic drama territory. I think it does enough of the heavy lifting that you actually see them having a relationship because you never actually saw that no. in any of the movies. But it does it in a slightly heightened way where it's sort of a piss take of rom-com montages of them yeah. wheeling around on roller skates uh, being pulled along by <laughs> Mjolnir. But then also kind of where the arguments start to kind of seep in. Um, so I, th- I thought it was played in a really fun way. It doesn't hit me super hard in an emotional place. No. I, but to me, it's more of a fun sequence that also does a little bit of grounding of like, oh, you need to see that these guys had a rela- relationship yeah. beyond just it's been established from dialogue in previous movies that they're sort of together. It really filled in the gaps because, as you say, we hadn't really seen a lot of it. and their relationship ended abruptly off screen right like Natalie just it was a mutual dumping just sort of didn't appear again we were like okay Jane's gone I guess so I think it was needed if that hadn't been there it would have been even harder to connect with the emotion between them and what was at stake so I think it was very important for that to be in yeah I I I, again I just found myself surprised by how much Jane dying at the end moved me and you know, they sell the hell out of it. And I think, you know, there's a real connection there. But I also think there is a connection in the first two films. You know, I, I think of their campfire conversation in the first Thor. I think that kiss at the end of Thor The Dark World when he returns and, you know, she goes up to him. There's, there's, you know, it's, it, we're not maybe talking Chris Reeve, the uh, Marco Kidder chemistry here necessarily. But there is, I think, a palpable connection there. Um, I think perhaps the fact that she wasn't in Ragnarok or really even properly really mentioned in Infinity War or Endgame perhaps made her memory diminish a little bit for people. And so you need something like this to uh, also to make it feel more real. Mm. Some of the things in the montage may be a bit too jokey for some people, but that's what a relationship is, right? You know, you you laugh, you play together, you cry together, you argue, you, you know, fly off to space while one of them stays behind. These are very real Things that we can all relate to. You listen to a lot of ABBA. A lot of ABBA. <laughs> um, Brew underscore Chris also has another couple of questions that we'll, we'll take real quick. Uh, she says, Jane's death doesn't feel as heavy a loss for Thor as we've seen him lose so much over the last few outings. His parents, brother, best friend, Asgard, the place, half the people of Asgard. Uh, do you think this is a bit of a retread for him? And then finally, she says, uh, leave this phase, phase four, with the TV outings and then especially the last two films have made the latest MCU feel very inconsequential to some people. Um, nothing seems to matter or last. No Way Home had seemingly big events that now appear more self-contained with each new release. Same for Loki, which I loved. Is this why films like uh, Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder are not on a level with the highlights of Phase 4 or the highlights of Phase 4 aren't hitting in the same way? 
how do you think, how do they make the audience feel that MCU releases, MCU releases are essential events again? Is the answer simply Black Panther, Wakanda, forever? Okay, that last part for me, um, I don't think that's the case. I think we just haven't had the stories that deal with those consequences yet. Like, mm. the thing that MC, the MCU has done really well generally over these, what, 14 years now is that it deals with the consequences of its stories and that's not going to be in the immediate aftermath we're not going to get a whole extra chunk at the end of the Eternals where it's like what does it mean where a big hand is now sticking out the side of the earth but there will be consequences to that they have done that for a reason we just haven't got there yet. I'm not so sure. I think they might just. I think they might just forget that there's a giant. Oh, no, they'll the use planet. it. They'll use it for something. It'll be like a base for something, or it'll cause so. some kind of ecological situation. Maybe that's pissed off Namor because it's in the middle of the ocean, and Namor's like, we need to have a presence. The Atlanteans need to have a presence above the ground on Earth now because if you're going to be doing this shit that means there's a big hand now sticking out of the ocean, that's my domain. Well, also... there, there might be a new villain called Dr. Big Finger. Ooh, I'm scared already. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That, um, that's, uh, is it a celestial? In yes. That's, yeah. yeah. He's only asleep, right? He's not dead. No, he's dead now. I think totally killed it. He's dead. Okay, fair. Doesn't matter what he also <laughs> willingly kind of put his power into that because he was feeding the Eternals. He became part of the Unimind, but then mm-hmm. killed him. Yeah. So, you know, something to chew on. <laughs> um, yeah, chew on that. Uh, but yeah, for me, uh, the, the MCU doesn't do things where it just ignores consequences. That is what they've done the whole way along, and I don't expect them to stop here. They are just setting up a lot of new threads. So we haven't got to the point where they're starting to kind of tie those up yet. What was the first part of the question? Because I had for, uh, that, uh, well. that uh, Thor's lost so many people that Jane is basically, you know, it doesn't feel as impactful as losing his dad or his planet or his brother or his brother or his brother. Not to hog the mic, or mother. But for me, the thing that works about this end stuff with Jane is that obviously it does have an effect on Thor and his journey through the film is him opening himself back up again and he opens himself up to Jane and there's still something there but that can't be a thing now which is sad but the trap for me that it avoids is that this is not a death to make Thor feel things this is Jane's story in her own right Mm. this is the end of her own story and her choices that she's made for herself for those kids to rescue them because that's why she steps into the battle at the end because without all of that manpower they're not going to be able to rescue these kids properly they they don't stand good odds against gore and she makes that choice it her sacrifice and the choices that she makes work in terms of her character and what she wants to give back and how she is remembered by the world the fact that she has that statue now in New Asgard, the fact that she gets to go to Valhalla having died a hero in battle. And you feel what that means to Thor, but I don't think that death happens so that Thor is feeling things. And I think that is a good thing. Yeah, this is not a, a giant fridge. No. Or, or Frigga. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. And also I think there are, you know, there are huge... I think there are huge events happening in the MC right now and huge things being set up. I, I, I do think if Eternals had been a more, more obvious palpable success, we would have had that giant bloke sticking out of the planet addressed <laughs> by now already. I do wonder if that's going to just fade away into nothingness. I hope not. I hope you're right. I hope they do address it at some point. But 
you know, we've been introduced to the multiverse. We've been introduced to the idea that different characters can come in from non-MCU movies. This, this is all pretty huge. And obviously Loki created Kang. It, it, it gave us Kang. And the multiverse is open because of what they did at the end of Loki. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you don't have the end of Loki, then you don't have multiverse of madness. Yeah. And but also, as much as we've had a lot of stories since Eternals, that film came out less than a year ago. Yeah, it was November. It was November last year. It feels like, I mean, we've seen a lot in the, in the meantime, yeah. but it didn't happen that long ago. Because the volume of the MCU has stepped up so much and it's so frequent now, yeah. it feels like you kind of have to adjust and not feel like everything coming is like an epic conclusion to whatever came before or that it's all every single part of everything ties into everything else. It just doesn't feel like that's how that quite how they're working anymore. Like, I believe they will, you know, tackle consequences and different threads that have been set up, but it feels like slightly different to the initial phases in that way, that there's yeah. so much going on. You just kind of have to like... I don't think we'll really know until mm. Secret Wars is over. We, yeah. And we can look back and go, oh, that, yeah, yeah. There, that makes sense. And that's why that film does that. And okay, I get it now. Um, but also, I, I, I enjoy the fact that there's some low stakes in this phase. I enjoy the fact that She-Hulk is, at the moment, as things stand, not about saving the world. And it's just about some yucks every week. Hope it stays that way. I hope it stays yeah. that way. I really hope it stays that way. I think, I think it'll get, you know, as you said on, on our last water special, I think it'll get punchy-boomy, but I don't think it's going to get save the world punchy-boomy. Mm. I think it's going to get, you know, oh, this thing may happen and it'll be bad for that building. But that's about as much yeah. as it'll do. Wouldn't it be great if there, if there is a scene in the, the next Avengers movie where they try and recruit Jennifer Waters? And she goes, mm, and she's like, yeah, nah. no, no, busy. <laughs> I said no. All right? I've got I said student no debt. To, okay, I said no to <laughs> Bruce, to and I'm saying no to you, and I meant it. Leave me alone. And that's yeah. it. That's her appearance. You better lawyer up, assholes. <laughs> she Hulk is coming for you. Uh, just a couple of real last ones because uh, Helen has arrived to uh, do the next. What's it, House of the Rings? The, the, mm. the Dragon of the Throne or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, anyway, that one. Oh yeah, you're so above it all, aren't you? So above it then. Yeah, Mr. Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about my show about the the giant green <laughs> yeah. lawyer lady. Give <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> me that show. Not your silly little dragons and horses. Uh, anyway, uh, here's one from at Pete underscore I who says, who put the pieces of Mjolnir in the display case in New Asgard? I had a question about this. Okay. Because... Um, the tour know. guide says they're immovable, right? Yeah. This feels like a, that it relates back to like, um, what movie was it in where they talk about um, Mjolnir going in a lift? Oh, uh, Age of Ultron. Uh, yeah. Because like, so someone moved the grass. Who moved the grass? How far down does no, the no, immovability no. They of... They didn't move the grass. They built around it. So that's the exact place the exact where place. Mjolnir broke. Mm-hmm. Where was it um, when no, Hela mind, broke it? This is not my, this is not like, I haven't been told this by anyone, but this is just my reading of the situation. Oh, uh, okay. So whenever whenever Mjolnir broke in what became New Asgard, that's the, that's the exact place. That's where Odin died. That's the whole thing. And they couldn't move those pieces. So Works instead they just decided yeah. to build around it. If you Do look we? at it. Yeah. So they'll, they'll have dug down and around yeah. it and built underneath it but they won't have been able to move the pieces. Well, that makes sense. I didn't realise New Asgard was in that same place. Yes, have we been told that? It is the same place. In the films? Yeah, it's, well, well it's, it's, it, Norway. It's canon. It's Norway. It's the oh, place, okay. it's the place you see at the very, very, very beginning of the first Thor. Yes, it is. It's the same place. It is. And then when Odin, when, that. yeah, when they have the conversation with Odin, when yeah, he yeah, dies, yeah, yeah. he's back there. And it's when Hela breaks it, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And again, just real quick, uh, Timon Singh uh, is another person who said that does Valhalla undermine 
all the deaths and mm-hmm. I don't think it does no. I don't think Valhalla is opening a door to Chain and Heimdall and the Warriors 3 who are those guys returning to the movies I think it's well done you have succeeded at dying in battle and here is another realm that you could maybe visit but I'm not so sure that the door swings both ways on that one so no I don't think it undermines it but, uh, but again your mileage may vary at Catch a Salmon 88, real quick, if the Necrosword has been handed down since the dawn of time and someone had it five minutes before Gore, why are they only noticing gods being butchered now? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I guess because everyone who had it previously was inept. Yeah, clearly. We haven't talked about Gore, but I'd just like to say I really like him. Yeah, me too. I think he's great. I think Christian <laughs> Bale's great in this film. He's I think amazing. he's really funny. Yeah. Uh, there's a Looks theory. really creepy too. Yeah. yeah. Really creepy. But uh, so, I love yeah. it. There's a theory that the film is told by Korg and he's not a reliable narrator. That's why we get things like the Jean-Claude Van Damme splits. Maybe. I Maybe. just think Thor Maybe. can do the splits, right? But yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's he just... can hold a star together, whatever he does in Infinity War. Well, yeah. I think he can do the splits. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> he's been doing a lot of yoga by yeah, the start of this film as well. He's very flexible these days. Uh, all right. Well, I think we're pretty much done because all the questions are pretty much uh, just versions of things we've already tackled. Uh, last one from Daniel Watkins, Daniel the W. What is a god in the MCU and what's not? How do they become a god? We talked about this a little bit in the last one, or rather, you know, there was what seemed like a TED talk about this for, <laughs> for, a, for a while, or a god talk, if you will. Do gods have to be immortal? So are the Eternals gods? I don't understand how it all works. Please explain. Well, Daniel... Luckily enough for you, I am very ready to do a two and a half hour PowerPoint presentation. And it's, oh, is that the time? Oh, look at that. <laughs> I am so sorry. That is it for our Thor Love and Thunder listener question special. We'll have to tackle what is a god in the MCU next time. Oh, no. Oh, what a shame. What a shame. Bring me back for that one, Chris. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, listen, I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that it brought, you know, we brought the love. Uh, Sophie brought a little bit of the thunder, but... A bit. It's fine, just a bit, just a bit. I told you I would. Heavy cloud, but no rain. Well, that's a sting reference. We have to, we have to refer only to crowded house in this podcast, <laughs> of course. Uh, anyway, join us next time for our next spoiler special, which will be something. <laughs> Clerks three. Hot D. Yes. Clerks three. Very excited. Yes. Yes, we're doing Clerks three. Do you want to do that? I still haven't seen Clerks two. What? That's 16 I quite, years. I Dan. quite like clerk, Clerks, <laughs> and then I didn't like anything else Kevin Smith did after that ever. Wow. I started this podcast by uh, asking Dan to get the fuck out of this booth. I'm going to end it by doing the same. Dan, get the fuck out of this He's booth. He's not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> well, if I may use my catchphrase at this point, this ends here and now. <laughs> Another classic Dan Jolin podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Bye bye. No, no, Dan, Dan stay, because otherwise it'll be noisy. Oh, yeah. I, it was intentionally noisy I know, for the effect, I know, but, no, but <laughs> for, the, for, for the joke. But, yeah, but I don't want to edit You don't want it? Why, don't you, why don't not? I don't want to edit it. You don't have to edit it. You could leave it in. Use your acting. Okay. Uh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 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 wow, I've never seen that before. There's supposed to be little feet going along the floor. <laughs> oh, God. No. Oh, my God, no. We've got headphones on and this is so loud in my ears. Stop it. Oh, God. That's why the goats scream. <laughs> oh, God. That was so upsetting. The silence <laughs> so of the goats. Overload. Run far away, Clarice. Run all the way, all the way to the MCU. <laughs> 
Ben is genuinely affected by this. <laughs> that was so... Well, whatever was, the opposite of ASMR is, like hell <laughs> ASMR. That was the single sexiest moment in the podcast history. Let's <laughs> be honest. Oh, Up there with Korg and Dwayne holding hands. <laughs> Over the fire. Above the that eternal was, That sex was proper scene. sexy. Um, that's made it difficult, difficult for me to segue to either of you two. Um <laughs> Without getting some sort of HR complaint, but that was proper sexy. So say goodbye to Ben and Sophie. Goodbye. 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 Help. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me as well. Hey, listen. In the immortal words of Neil Finn, leader, singer-songwriter of Crowded House, you better be home soon. Another classic Thor podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Pitkist. 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 Classic thought podcast. Pitkist. No. Present. Present. Jermaine present. Podcast. 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 Pitkist. No, I can't do it. Podcast. That's close enough. Yeah, Middlesbrough, New Zealand is very close. (laughs) It's very close. Bye.